My name is Michelle and I'll be your moderator for this class. Welcome to the Madison, Wisconsin School. This is a school and not a church and neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh, our Elohim, and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in the year 1958. We hold classes in the United States, Canada, and certain other foreign countries. The Madison branch was established in 1987. In this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. The name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means that Elohim is a title that a creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it's an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part into a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew language, the Greek language, nor the Latin language have any characters or letters in their alphabet that would produce a sound that is made by this letter J. Neither was there a letter J in the English language until some 1400 years after the Messiah's death. Therefore, such names as Jesus or Jehovah are impossible renderings of the true and original name of our father and his son. Christ is a title, just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have drawn this cloud all around the edges of this chart to show you that everything on this chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in this pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Elohim. This is the word or son, a superincorporeal being that is having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form could only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelations. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body and walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah whom the world calls Jesus Christ. Now there is only one name given unto salvation and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is, what was the name of the savior during the time he walked the earth plane? 
A further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface of a Holy Name Bible. Also at this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It is called the divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses atop Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in a vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and function of this threefold tabernacle pattern, and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. The primary constitutional objectives and aims of the Institute are as follows. First up, you find to know Yahweh, our Elohim, as he really is and actually exists. Second, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah, without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third, to investigate the unexplained spirit law, or so-called law of nature, and the powers latent in man. Fourth, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, and modern, practical, and occult science. Fifth, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Sixth, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seventh, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the dragon, the devil, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eighth, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which is once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained, there is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And tenth, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah, with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace, and our slogan is speak the truth. Our scripture reading tonight will be 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. And that will please be read by Dr. Delilah Tucker of our Madison, Wisconsin School. And if we could start the evening off with a prayer from Dr. Gail Josephson of the Green Bay, Wisconsin School. Thank you. Let us all bow our hearts and our minds unto Yahshua. Yahshua, thank you for bringing us out of the world, out of the darkness and ignorance um, that consumed us, overpowered us before we heard your true name and the true gospel. Um, we ask that you keep us in your grace and mercy. Keep us strong in the faith. And also I, I wanna thank Yahweh, our heavenly father for rejuvenating us and keeping us mindful of what we have here compared to what we had out in the world. And we hope that we have an um, understanding of the doctor, doctrine which will be preached to us tonight. 
and that we can be in perfect peace for two hours here as we gather together. And in Yahshua's name, let us all say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, hallelujah. I'm sorry, my mic was turned off. Okay, I'll be reading 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of Yahweh deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of Yahweh. But if our goal gospel be hidden, it is hid to them that are lost, and whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Yahshua, who is the image of Yahweh, should, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Yahshua the Messiah, and ourselves your servants of Yahshua's sake. For Yahweh, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of Yahweh in the face of Yahshua the Messiah. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of Yahweh and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed, always bearing about in the body the dying of Yahshua the Messiah, that the life also of Yahshua might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are already delivered from death for Yahshua's sake, that the life also of Yahshua might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up Yahshua shall raise up us also by Yahshua, and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might, through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of Yahweh, for which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Second Corinthians, fourth chapter. All right, thank you. Our readers tonight will please be Dr. Karen Gagno of the Madison's class and Dr. Kelly Gagno of the Madison class, and I'll be a backup reader. Welcome everyone. Welcome to our visiting brethren tonight and our returning visitor Tatiana is here, welcome back. And we'd like to extend a nice welcome to anyone that's watching us on YouTube this evening. Thank you for being here. We're going to have a three speaker format and I guess I am going to be the first speaker. 
I am going to apologize right now. I've got a dog in the background going to town on his bones. So if that gets to be annoying on the audio, just let me know. But otherwise, we'll just go from here. Um, good evening. It's good to be here. Glad to see everyone and glad that we're all safe and able to focus on Yashua and what he has to teach us. Let's go ahead to the scripture reading and we'll just start from there and we'll, we'll see where this goes. Second Corinthians fourth chapter. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of Yahweh deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of Yahweh. So we renounce the hidden things of dishonesty, but we can hold on to the truth. Go ahead. Three, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Yahshua, who is the image of Elohim, should shine unto them. Mm -hmm. For we preach not ourselves, but Yahshua the Messiah, and ourselves your servants for Yahshua's sake. For Yahweh, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of Yahweh in the face of Yahshua, the Messiah. We'll stop there for now. For Yahweh, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness. Now, when I was listening to that being read tonight, it kind of reminded me of back in Genesis 1, when the creation was being brought in, how darkness was on the face of the face of the deep. But the spirit of Yahweh, the spirit of Elohim, was the light that was um, shining across the deep. Let's why don't we go to Genesis just for a moment. Yeah, just one and one and two, I guess. Genesis one and one. In the beginning, Elohim created the heaven and earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the spirit of Elohim moved upon the face of the waters. So Elohim created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of Yahweh moved upon the face of the waters. Read 3-2, I guess. And Elohim said, let there be light, and there was light. Okay. And Elohim... So light Go ahead. and it was good. Go ahead. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Oh, that's fine. I'm just trying to collect my thoughts because as we were reading that, 
a point and some words came to my mind, but of course, when it's time to say them, they're not there. And that's just me, so I apologize for that. But anyway, Elohim created, he, well, he created everything. He created, the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the, the deep. So who created that darkness? Elohim created that darkness. And he also created the light that moved upon the face of the waters. He created it all. And I want to, let's see, go to, um, let's see here. I would tell you what I want, but by the time I say it, it would, I would basically be quoting it. So let me see here. Uh, let's go to Isaiah 45. And I guess we can just start at five. Isaiah 45 and five. I am Yahweh and there is none else. There is no Elohim beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me. So let's stop there for a second. So I am Yahweh and there is none else. Before there was anything, there was Yahweh. Yahweh is the source and substance of all. There is none else. There's no Elohim beside me. Go ahead. There is no Elohim beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is, um, I'm sorry, that there is none beside me. I am Yahweh and there is none else. There is none else. Continue. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, Yahweh, do all these things. He does all these things. He creates the, he forms the light and creates darkness. When you form something, you form from that same substance. If you're forming something out of a piece of clay, you're forming something out of that clay. But if you are creating something as a creation, or I should say, if you're creating something that has darkness like the devil, you are creating that. It's You're not forming that even though it's made out of your substance. It's not, oh, I didn't even wanna go there. I don't know why my, my mouth opened up and I started on that. But um, so when you create something, like when an artist creates something, they're not creating it from their own physical substance. They're creating it from their, their mind and their intellect and their, those invisible things of them that you cannot see, if that makes any sense. I'm just gonna leave that there because I really didn't intend to, to open that up. But anyway, let's go back to the scripture reading. And let's see. 
I guess we can just pick it up at six again. Second Corinthians four and six. Second Corinthians four and six. For Yahweh, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness and has and has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of Yahweh in the face of Yahshua, the Messiah. So he commanded the light to shine out of darkness, just like he did back there with the creation. When the, the um, darkness was on the face of the deep, I may be incorrectly quoting it, but I, I'm sure that no. we are all familiar with the um, verses in Genesis that we just had read that Yahweh commanded the light to shine out of the darkness. And he's, he shined it into our hearts. That's him giving us the revelations of his purpose and his plan and, and what is going on in the world. Go ahead. Um, I don't know where you were, but let's just pick up six again, please. Second Corinthians four and six. For Yahweh, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of Yahweh in the face of Yahshua, the Messiah. Mm -hmm. He has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of Yahweh in the face of Yahshua, the Messiah. So Yahweh is the one that can give us the light of the knowledge. He can give us the understanding. He can give us those revelations. Go ahead down to seven. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of Yahweh and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Sorry, the dogs stepped up. <laughs> I thought we lost you for a second. Yeah, sorry. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of Yahweh and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Let's pause there. So. We are troubled on every side. This world has so much going on in it right now, even more so than decades ago when there were many things going on. You know, we've got shootings practically every day. We've got um, political wrangling and backbiting, etc. We've got all these things going on. We've got COVID and all of the different, um, the different, um, like the Omicron, the different variants. That's what I'm thinking of. The different variants and things of that going on. We've got all these things going on. And in my job, I hear a lot of people, a lot of clients come into the office and you know, kind of talking about the state of the world and, and how bad it is and things like that. But yet somehow being, being in this gospel and having Yahshua 
well, Yahweh through Yahshua showing me things, it makes me not distressed. It makes me not despair because I understand it's all part of the purpose. Let's continue. Oh, one moment, Karen. I might just want to skip down. Hold on. Um, let's see here. Okay. I think I just want to skip down to 18 and then I think I'm going to be done in a moment. Okay. 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Mm -hmm. So while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Those things that are not seen are things of the spirit, for they are the eternal things. They are the things that are going to be lasting. They are not part of this world that is only temporary. These bodies are only temporary. We can have our eye on that spirit and ask Yahweh through Yahshua to show us those spiritual things, to give us those spiritual blessings and to open things up for us so that we can join him in eternity. Let's get one more scripture. Let's get um, John 17 and three. And three is good enough. We don't need to pick it up. Okay. John 17 and three. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true Elohim, and Yahshua the Messiah, whom thou hast sent. And this is life eternal, that you might know you which is Yahweh, the only true Elohim, and Yahshua, the Messiah, whom thou hast sent. We need those revelations to help us to know Yahweh, Elohim, and Yahshua, because that is eternal life. When we learn of him and have him working with us and circumcising our hearts and working within us, he will cause those changes. He will cause those attributes of his, the wisdom, intelligence, knowledge, love, beauty, justice, foundation, power, and strength. He will cause those to grow in the spirit and he will cause us to be like him. And we can take, we can take comfort in that and not despair in this life because we can see what is going on and we can have that hope for the future when we join him in all eternity. 
And with that, I'm going to say hallelujah and thank you for the time. It took me a moment to pull up my chat, but our second speaker will please be Dr. Steve Gagno, the Dean of our Madison class. Thank you. Good evening, everybody, and thanks for being here. Um, I appreciate the comments and words of the previous speaker. Um, this, uh, the last thing she got was uh, John 17 and three, pick it up in one for me. Because this is what it's all about down here. Um, the reason you want to know something about your creator and Yahshua, the Messiah, the Savior, is, you know, people, if there's a God, we want to go to heaven. We want to be with him, you know. And uh, people were hoping for a God, but we know. We've seen the witnesses and the evidence down through the law and the prophets. We've seen how he operates in the creation. We've seen that he is real and he is interested in us. I'll just put it that way. So read this for me. Um, John 17 and one. These words spake Yahshua and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true Elohim, and Yahshua the Messiah, whom thou hast sent. So... You know, John, he obviously, Yahshua spoke this in their company, <laughs> and they remembered it. He brought it back to the remembrance so that they wrote it down. <clears throat> these, these, hi, Roxy. I got a visitor down here barking. Anyhow, I'll speak over her. Um, John 17 and 3 is the one that, this is life eternal. You know, every time I hear it, I just think that should just bend your ear enough to uh, listen. Life eternal, what is it? And then he goes on to say to know. You have to know the creator as he really is and actually exists. And all of these, uh, you know, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the record of Yahshua the Messiah coming in the flesh in a physical body to bring to an end a covenant that was given to the Jews and the Jews alone. No one, there was none found righteous, no, not one. So he comes in made of a woman, made under the law and completes it. And the way he, he pays the price, he's perfect. There's no fault in him. We know the Passover, the lamb had to have no fault. So we're passing over through Yahshua. He has no faults, and he was put up on the cross and died for us to put an end to that covenant and bring in the new covenant, which includes Jew and Gentile. And this is, this is a mystery, and Yahweh is spirit. And we see this cloud on this chart, on this Moses chart, you know, 
Yahweh is spirit manifesting within the clouds, symbolizing eternity, Jerusalem above. He is Jerusalem above. People are going to Jerusalem. You want to go to Jerusalem above. He is wisdom, intelligence, knowledge. He is love, beauty, justice. He is power, foundation, and strength. He doesn't have these things. He's the sum total of what they are. And everything that's made on this creation represents one of those attributes or numerous aspects of those attributes. It is spirit materialized. And we come, get for me Romans 1 and 19 and 20. Callie, you got it? Yes. For that which may be known of Yahweh is manifest in them. For mm -hmm. Yahweh has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Even his eternal power and godhead or supernal nature so that they are without excuse okay so i let her read through it but yahweh is the invisible things you can't draw a picture of spirit i mean of of spirit or love or intelligence you can make an example uh where is it uh oh gosh well just i'll keep going i was thinking of the why do you speak in parables because it's not given to them. Uh, I think it's in John. Matthew, Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. We'll get that in a second. Because it takes something uh, that is created. There's only spirit to create the creation out of. And it represents something. When you go to a great mountain, you see the, you see the dynamics of this great, powerful mountain and there's extreme weather on it, you know, and uh, and uh, uh, just it's power. It just when I see a mountain, I just think of the majestic beauty and strength to stand there. You know, uh, they just they're huge. They they, you know, Niagara Falls. The water comes tumbling over those things. Comes tumbling over the 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 falls. And water just has incredible strength and power and beauty. You just see it and you just, you understand something about the power of that, that falls. And a lot of these waterfalls, they, they use them to make these dams and then they uh, uh, power electrical power. I'm just I'm muddling my words, but they use them for power. In the old days, they used to put a mill next to them and it would turn and make power. I don't know if you could do that in Niagara. It would blow your thing apart. But anyhow, you, you, the, the creation, my point is, demonstrates something about spirit that is invisible. So read the 19 again, Callie. That which may be known of Yahweh. Read. Because that which may be known of Yahweh is manifest in them. Manifest means to be made known right within you. We can see it in the creation. Read. For Yahweh has showed it unto you, them, sorry, showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation. So the invisible the things, Yahweh is invisible. He's spirit. The invisible things of him, right? Read. From the creation of the world are clearly seen. 
you know, we can't say this enough. I mean, every class, this just gets hit. Romans 1, 19 and 20, and, and sometimes two, three times. It's just so important to know what we're struggling to see, something that's invisible, and we're only limited to seeing it in the flesh and having it revealed, hopefully, by Yahshua the Messiah. Because um, another one, Seeing they see not, Sasha. Hearing they hear not. I think it's the same. Uh, I think it is too, because I was reading it. I've got that book upstairs next to my table. Matthew 13 and 10, you can start. So let's go to Matthew. Matthew 13 and 10. I'm trying to get there, hon. Okay. 13 and 10. Yeah. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? Because he just got through speaking a bunch of different parables. So they want he always has to take them aside after and give them the explanation. So they have a question: why do you speak in parables unto them and us and everybody? Read. Eleven. He answered and said unto them. Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but not, but to them it is not given. So, and what you find out is it takes a revelation from the Spirit. The Holy Spirit has to allow you to see it. Yahshua was in the flesh at this time, allowing them to see. But after Pentecost, we've been allowed. If, Yah, if the foolishness of preaching is preached, and Yahshua opens this thing up to you, and you say, I see that. I see that. That's the Holy Spirit allowing you to see. Okay? So the mystery of the kingdom, which is not given them. It's not given. Yahshua can only save the ones the Father had predestined before. It's just the way it is. He's not here to save. Everybody's not going. He created, Michelle had it rest. I am Yahweh, and there is none else. I form the light and create darkness darkness is a creation just like trees anything else darkness is a creation he had to create it for the contrast so that you could appreciate light okay so read this now 12 i think you're on yep for whosoever has to him shall be given and he shall have more abundance but whosoever has not, from him shall be taken away even that he has. So whosoever has shall be given more in abundance. If you don't have, it's taken away. The gifts are taken away. 13. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. Mm-hmm. Um, when we were reading in Romans 1, 19 and 20, he said, the heavens declare the glory of, you know, uh, in 20, it says they're without an excuse. Could you read that back at Cali if you still have that? Let's go through that. Yes, I have it. We read 19. Yes. For the invisible things of him from the creation. Slow of the down. World. Sorry. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, 
being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So everybody sees the same thing. Everybody. So you're without an excuse for not seeing Yahshua or seeking him. If you seek him, he will be found. Okay. So back to this. Thanks, Cal. Uh, Karen, where were you at? 13? Were yes. you at yes. was 14. Okay, go ahead. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, by hearing you shall hear and shall not understand. So you and can hear, but you need help to understand, read. And shall not understand, and seeing you shall see and shall not perceive. Mm -hmm. Now, I'll just tell you for myself, I walked around in this creation, I didn't see a thing. <laughs> I saw, you know, we were talking about art and and beauty and things, and we would see it, but we would never attribute it to the creator because we didn't know him. We couldn't even, you know, we were guessing it went to the creator, but we, to know him, there has to be that intimacy that only by revelation, Yahshua allows you in to that intimate spot where you go, I see, I hear. You know, I think back to some of my first lectures and I would go out and about after in, you know, grocery stores and places and run into people. Do you ever hear the name Yahweh? Do you ever hear about a tabernacle? You ever hear, you know, I would just, I was asking everybody. I was just amazed that I was hearing this and seeing it. And, and I wanted to know if anybody else knew anything about it. And I was the last to know. And what I come to find out is... Uh, most of them don't and most of them don't care they just well it's not important uh, they say the same thing at my church that kind of thing so uh where are we here um 15. yeah i, I think i'm going to jump back into the uh i want to go to second corinthians the third chapter i was torn between that and the fourth chapter so now i'm just stuck going back to the third chapter this whole Corinthians is, you know, we got it in chapter three, chapter four, chapter five. It was just one long letter <laughs> written. They just, I think they, it was coffee time and they, they try to break it at a certain point and put a different chapter in there. So let's read at three because he's, he's talking about something here that we need to hear. Do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or need we as some others epistles of commendations to you or letters of commendation from you? Read. Our, our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men. So what's an epistle? It's a letter. But what he's talking about, your people read you just like the mail. They look at you. They discern you. They, they, they judge you. They you know, first impressions, you know, all these kind of things. You are an epistle written in your own heart and read of all men. You can preach the gospel just without even words, just by your actions. The way you, Michelle talks about this world and the people, you know, that come to her 
uh, it's a podiatrist office and, you know, people have ailments and stuff and then they see the world and sit around and chat about it and, and uh, you know, inflation, war, uh, just, you know, all kinds of the things that she mentioned, you know, that are going on and, and uh, in the midst of it, some people can stand, you know, Michelle, what allows her to stand is she knows that Yahweh's in control of everything. When you get down, you know, uh, to the end of the age, you know, he puts a little pressure on us. The only way he can truly uh, show you that you have the Holy Spirit in you is to put you in the squeeze, to squeeze you. It's like a toothpaste tube. You have to squeeze it to get the toothpaste out. That's what you want is a toothpaste. He puts a squeeze on you and you cry out or you stand still or you, it has an effect on you and you recognize that it's showing forth. If Yahshua is long suffering, so will you be. If Yahweh's patient, guess what? You'll learn patience. If Yahweh's wisdom, you'll have wisdom. If these strength, you're going to endure. The, these attributes become manifest and you rec recognize them as something you never had before. It is happening to you by the Holy Spirit, by Yahshua. You know, so people read you. You know, uh, my family doesn't come to this class. I'm one of 11 children and and. You know, as I time would go by, I'd show up at things and just people would just kind of marvel at times as sometimes I would have wisdom or something or surprise them with, you know, you know, they thought, oh, he grew up and he's in such a nice gentleman, you know, now. But I knew what it was. It wasn't any of that. It was Yahshua, what they're seeing. But, you know, you can't say, well, that's Yahshua. They just will scoff at you and walk away but they recognize it they read you you know i have some of my brothers when they have a question about religion they know i can always give them an answer and they'll call me and i share things with them you know i know the scripture don't throw pearls before swine but i'm always you know one day they may just stop and listen to this thing so but anyhow you're an epistle known and read in your heart of all men, three, Kelly. For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of the Messiah ministered by us, <clears throat> written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living L, not in tables of stone, but in the fleshy tables of the heart. See, and he's referring to that old law was written on stone. They, they, they wrote it on tables of stone and it was put into the vest, into the Ark of the Covenant, those two, 10 commandment laws. And then there were 600 some odd other ordinances that they had to keep. But the 10 commandments were written on stone. And now you're, uh, where is that verse? Uh, where were we just reading? What verse? We were just reading. Seven. Huh? You mean three. Oh, yeah. Verse three. Duh. Oh, yeah. You're an epistle ministered not with written with. He wrote it in your heart. 
He's writing this thing in your heart. You're having a change of heart. I mean, it's such a big deal, this, the heart, you know, you know, you, 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 you have to love the brethren, even when they're unlovable, you have to love yourself. You have to stand in the midst of your shortcomings, knowing Yahshua knows you have them and Yahshua, you know, you need a heart to do this thing at this time. It's not just do's and don'ts and doesn't matter how you feel about it. You're going to feel about this. You're going to hear this thing in the heart, and that will have a, an effect on the whole body, on you. Read that again. Verse For three. Much, yep. For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of the Messiah, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living L, not in tables of stone, but in the fleshy tables of the heart. Mm-hmm. And, and where's Paul getting this? Go to Jeremiah 31, 31. This is talking to the Jews and saying, behold, there's going to be a day that's come and there's going to be a new covenant, not like the old one. Read whenever you get there. Jeremiah. Everybody wants to read this one. Yeah, go ahead. You got it. Okay. Behold, the days come, saith Yahweh, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, mm -hmm. not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was a husband unto them, saith Yahweh. Yahshua is our husband now. He was a husband back there to the children of Israel. They they broke his heart. You see this Moses chart? When they, if you look at this, they went out through the Red Sea and they stood at the base of Mount Sinai there. It says Mount Sinai. And Yahweh spoke in the commandments. All that he has said, we will do. They made a covenant. There was a marriage with them. And then... After he spoke with him, Moses went up to the top of Mount Sinai and 70 elders are there. It shows 70 elders, Moses, and they stayed there and tarry. They were supposed to tarry. And he went up all the way for 40 days and they thought he was gone. They thought he was consumed in that fiery cloud. And they went about to make, they broke the covenant when they made this golden calf and they worshiped it and said, it brought us out. So when Moses, after 40 days, comes down and he sees them, he sees them worshiping the golden calf. He throws down that table of stone that Yahweh wrote in the mountain and gave to him to bring down. And he threw it down and broke it. And he was when he went down the mountain, the next trip, Yahweh said, hew out uh, your own heart. He had to bring up tables of stone that were not written in yet. And he had to go up to the mountain, and Yahweh wrote in those, typifying his heart was written in. The first one never got into the tabernacle. The second heart made it into the vessel, the tabernacle vessel. And, and it's all trying to show you that all of this stuff, you're an epistle. You've got a new heart. 
you've got a new covenant. It's gonna there's it's not gonna be an easy road. I mean, you thought six hundred and some ordinances of do's and don'ts, and which really caused them to constantly look to the vessel of salvation because none could keep it. They were close by that tabernacle and then Solomon's temple later because they were constantly breaking it. No one could keep it. And it just showed you there's only one heart. Yahshua has the heart that you need. He's um, Deuteronomy, what is it? Uh, six twenty. The last couple of verses where it's, uh, five, uh, 529. Uh, that's old that there was such a heart in them, but there's the one with the covenant, it would be your righteousness. Or oh, 624. Yeah, we'll go there and then we can, everybody knows the, oh, that there was such a heart in them in 29. But go, and Callie. Yahweh commanded us to do all these statutes. Sorry. So Yahweh commanded them to do all that was in the law. Read. To fear Yahweh our Elohim for our good always. Mm -hmm. That he might preserve us alive as it is at this day. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all those commandments before Yahweh our Elohim as he has commanded us. It shall be our righteousness. That was the key. It would be people's righteousness, not his. That's all you could get out of the law was your righteousness. You could not get the Holy Spirit. You could not have the righteousness which was in that tabernacle, which represented Yahshua in you until he came in made of a woman, made under the law, and he was a Jew, and he had no fault in him. Once one person could do it, he's the one that spoke it in, and he's the one that could fulfill it, the same Yahshua. And he brought it to an end, giving him authority to make a new covenant. And the new covenant included Jew and Gentile. And the laws that were up in that mountain and under those ordinances will be written in your heart. They're not going to be a list of things. You'll have a heart. You'll have Yahshua in you directing you. It's not going to be do's and don'ts. It'll change. He'll change your makeup. You know, once you've seen Yahshua, once you stand before him and know that he has chosen you, there's a bit of humility that goes on with it. And you'll recognize that the longer you stick around here, that he's always had you in mind. He's always walked with you. So I'm not going to go any further. I'm going to take my proverbial seat that I'm already sitting in. And I'd like to turn it over to uh, the president, Dr. Sasha Rachmanievich. Thank you. Uh, good evening, everyone. Can you hear me well? Yeah. Uh, great. So I enjoyed uh, what Michelle and uh, Steve had to say. And I'm going to continue before as Nowadays, I usually do. I would like to convey best regards from the uh, brethren in uh, Crimea, uh, Russia. So what I was thinking uh, while when the scripture reading was read, it was thinking about certain train of thought and I will 
you know try to uh, to go into it if uh, if time uh, allows. So let's go to the scripture reading, Second Corinthians, chapter four. Now let's pick it up at verse um, fifteen. Second Corinthians 4 and 15. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might, through the thanksgiving of many, redound to the glory of Yahweh. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light Thank you. Just uh, sorry, I interrupt you for a second. Uh, so Paul is uh, contrasting the outward man and with the inward man. And basically, uh, throughout the chapter and uh, other letters, he is saying that the purpose is not this life, this physical life, or this outward man which is going to perish, but it's uh, inward man or the soul that's what inward man is that's what's important continue on for our light affliction which is but for a moment works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory thank well, you so it's the same just just a second it's the same uh, train of thought so what we have now in this life we have affliction, and some people have uh, very, uh, you know, difficult uh, afflictions. But according to Paul, you know, the afflictions, because they are in the physical, comparatively speaking, comparative to eternity, it's still a light uh, affliction. And for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, because it is for a moment, it works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Why it's working uh, for our eternal uh, glory? Because it says in the book that in patience, you possess your soul. And it's talking about that um, the trials of your faith, you know, works, patience, and so forth. So through this affliction, this uh, spiritual attributes grow like faith, long-suffering, uh, long-suffering, and uh, other, uh, others. Uh, verse 18, please. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Thank you. So it's the same contrast of the things which are seen, and the temporal, the physical things, and Paul contrasting it with what's important, and what's important are eternal things, are invisible or invisible things. So the question may uh, arise, but uh, if the eternal things is what's important, so what's the need of all these uh, physical things? Why all these physical things, including our uh, outward men were uh, created by Yahweh. So let's go to Acts 
17 and 24. Acts 17 and 24. Elohim that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is master of heaven and earth, dwells not in temples made with hands. Neither is worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. And hath made of one blood, yeah, so he made of one blood, continue on, please. Hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. That they should so seek here, Yahweh. Just, just a second, I'll interrupt you for a second. So he made of one blood the people on the face of the earth and appointing the times and so forth. But why did he do that? Continue reading. Verse 27, that they should seek Yahweh, if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As certain right. also of your own poets have said. Right. For we so are also are, his offspring. We are also his offspring. So he created uh, the people. He created us. So we can seek after Yahweh. So we can find him. But how can we find him who is invisible? Now I want, I know that it was read, but I would like to read it again. Romans 1, 19 and 20. For that which may be known of Yahweh is manifest in them, for Yahweh has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So even our creator's uh, Godhead or supernal nature, which, I, which is invisible, it can be seen and understood from what he has made. So he made this temporal, physical, external creation we are living in with the purpose for us to understand him. So what we see in the creation, it's a reflection of him, including the reflection of his supernal nature. What is his supernal na nature? Let's uh, read John 1 and 1. And while we're reading John 1 and 1, I would like you to look at this uh, Elohim chart. Please read. John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with Yahweh, and the Word was Yahweh. So if you look at this chart, you know, in the, no, the Moses chart is good. Okay. Yeah, so in the beginning was the Word. Could you show, or oh, Rick, are you in charge of the charts? Can you, thank you, put the cursors on this Word. 
or Elohim. So in the beginning, was the word, and the word was with Yahweh, or Yahweh, who is the Father, who is invisible spirit, which we uh, depicted as a cloud around this chart. So in the beginning was the word, and the word was with Yahweh, and the word was Yahweh, continue on. The same was in the beginning with Yahweh. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was- Thank you. Yeah, just for the sake of time, because I have probably 20, 25 minutes left. Uh, skip down to verse 14, please. 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Thank you. So we use this scripture and we use this chart to show the unity of our creator. So uh, Yahweh is spirit, it says in John uh, 4, 23 and 24. And in this uh, state, in the state of the uh, spirit, he is... Uh, uh, invisible, he is uh, inscrutable, undiscernible. So it, it's Yahweh, it's like uh, in this state depicted uh, around this chart as the spirit. But then the part of the spirit, the same spirit, took on uh, shape and form as Yahweh Elohim, which is also called the Word. And the Word, so if uh, uh, give a physical example of uh, Romans 1, 18 and 20. So the word is the expressed image or the expression of the invisible thought. So Yahweh in the state of the pure spirit would be likened to a thought which is invisible. But then this thought took on shape and form as the word, it's an expression of the invisible thought. And further, the same spirit took on the physical uh, manifestation as Yahshua, the Messiah, as action, as the deed. So we have the thought, word, and deed. But the word and uh, or Yahweh Elohim and the deed or Yahshua, the Messiah in the flesh, they are two manifestations of uh, invisible Yahweh, or two, if I can put it this way, two witnesses of uh, Yahweh. Now, I would like you to uh, go to 1 John 5 and 7. And while you're reading 1 John 5 and 7, if you can uh, uh, zoom uh, zoom in on this tabernacle, please. John five and seven. <clears throat> For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, and the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. Thank you. So I would like you to see it's the same principle. I'm working with the principle of uh, invisible 
Yahweh reflecting his unity, you know, or him having two manifestations or two witnesses, he is reflecting it in the, on the earth plane. So here uh, we read that it's, uh, you know, the Father, the Word, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in heaven, and these three are one. It's not Trinity, it's one. And it's reflected in the earth as blood, blood, water, and spirit. And this tabernacle is a manifestation of this because the heaven would be likened to the most holy place. And you can see three in one uh, configuration. You have uh, two uh, figurines of uh, uh, cherubims or archangels and uh, with the, you know, on the mercy uh, seat with the Ark of the Covenant, but they're not separate. They are like uh, one piece showing the principle that, you know, in the clouds, so to speak, or in heaven or in the state of the pure spirit, there is still, you know, three, you know, because it's Yahweh, uh, Yahweh Elohim and Yahshua, but they are not uh, discernible at this state. We cannot discern it in the spirit. So therefore he reflected it in the earth plane and in the court roundabout, we see this three vessels as uh, the uh, holy anointing oil uh, reflecting the spirit, uh, the labor of, with water reflecting the word and uh, the altar of sacrifice or blood uh, reflecting uh, uh, the, you know, the spirit. Of, so, you know, it's, uh, it's like a mirror reflection on earth what's invisible in heaven. So I would like you to give uh, your two more examples of this and showing how Yahshua, you know, fulfilling the scriptures at the same time, because we see it in the Old Testament of the Bible and we see it in the New Testament of the Bible. There are many examples, but I'm just focusing on one of them. And that was mentioned already in the lectures today by Steve, how children of Israel, you can uh, zoom out this picture, uh, please. Uh, how the uh, children of Israel uh, came out of Egypt and came to the uh, mountain of Sinai. And I would like you, who, whoever is reading, read please Exodus uh, chapter 24, starting uh, from verse nine. 24 and 9. Then went up Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel. And they saw the Elohim of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of a sapphire stone, and as it were the body of heaven in his clearness. And upon the nobles of the children of Israel he laid not his hand. Also they saw Elohim and did eat and drink. And the and continue on, please. Mm -hmm. And Yahweh said unto Moses, Come up to me into the mountain and be there, and I will give you tables of stone and a law and commandments which I have written, that you may teach them. 
And Moses rose up and his minister, Joshua. And Moses went up into the mount of Yahweh. Elohim, sorry. And he said unto the elders, tarry you here for us until we come again unto you. And behold, Aaron and her are with you. If any Thank you. That's, that's uh, all I need just for the sake of time. So I want to see you the picture. Uh, so we see the Mount of Sinai in the mid of the mountain. You'll see the 70 elders, but we are focusing on Aaron, who was the high priest, and his two sons, or low priests. And they saw the Elohim of Israel. So they, so they would be like, you know, uh, in a holy place, so to speak. But they looking up, it would be like in the most holy place, they see a vision of Elohim. But also we read that, you know, with Elohim, Elohim invited Moses and his minister, Yahshua, came with Moses to, to the top of the mountain which would be likened to the most holy place. So in a way, in the uh, top of the mountain, you see uh, uh, Yahweh Elohim or visionary shape uh, and form of the uh, creator. And as we know from uh, the vision and revelation of Dr. Kinley, that it was Joshua or correctly Yahshua, son of uh, Nun, uh, astro projecting uh, himself as uh, Elohim uh, in this vision. But Elohim uh, is uh, on the top of this mountain in this vision with Moses and with uh, Yahshua, son of Nun. So you see the reflection. There is a three on the top uh, of the mountain. So there is uh, Yahweh Elohim and his two witnesses representing the law and the prophets, because Moses, as we know, represents the law. And in this sense, uh, Yahshua, son of Nun, represents the prophets because we start, you know, the books of the prophets, uh, starting with the book of uh, Joshua. And we see the reflection on the earth plane with uh, Aaron, who is the father, who is reflection of uh, Yahweh Elohim in the sense and with his two sons or two lower priests. So, and why we can, we can understand now why it has to be two sons, why they have to be related. Because overall, it's the picture of uh, Yahweh, of unity of Yahweh, Yahweh and his two manifestations or his two witnesses, uh, which are the word or Yahweh Elohim and Yahshua. And they are related because it's the same spirit. So therefore the same principle, it carries on. Now let's skip to the end of the book from the old covenant uh, testament of the book to so-called new testament of the book. And, uh, Read Matthew uh, chapter 17, starting with verse 1.
Matthew 17 and 1. And after six days, Yahshua taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart. And was transfigured. Sorry, I'll, 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 I'll interrupt you for a second. Uh, mm -hmm. Here, we don't have much time to go all these details, but every detail is important. After six days, so it happens on the seventh day. And we know that day seven denotes the perfection, or it's uh, Yahweh's uh, day. Uh, so, and he's, he's taking them to the top of the mountain, showing that it's going to be an elevated experience or spiritual experience. Continue on, please. And was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Yahshua, Master, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Right, so why are they talking about tabernacles? Because in the same uh, vision as we read in uh, Exodus 24 uh, chapter, you know, this tabernacle was uh, shown unto Moses because Yahweh Elohim transformed himself as a tabernacle, as uh, we can see this uh, pointer pointing to this tabernacle. Thank you, Rick. And what we read in Matthew 17th chapter, it's a fulfillment or what's written in uh, Exodus 24th chapter. And this is a very important because when you talk to the people and I talk to the people, to Christians, to Jehovah's Witnesses, and especially with Jehovah's Witnesses, but uh, Christians as well, they really don't know who Yahshua was. In Jehovah's Witnesses doctrine, uh, he is uh, uh, the angel. Uh, he is not really God. He is not Yahweh. He is a separate being. He is... Um, uh, Yahweh's messenger. In fact, if you study Jehovah's Witnesses doctrine, they say that the archangels Michael and Yahshua are, uh, are the same, is the same person. So, and how to prove, how to show the witnesses to them who Yahshua was, and this is one of them, because that's what's happening. Yahshua is saying, look, and compare this to pictures. This is a mirror image, what happened in Exodus and what I'm showing to you, you know, uh, in uh, Matthew 17th chapter. So Yahshua transformed himself because he is not anybody else, but Elohim, who we read about in uh, uh, 24th chapter of um, Exodus, which is translated as God in King James. Bible. So he is the uh, creator. While I'm here, we'll, we'll go back to it, but uh, let's uh, read uh, Hebrews 1. Um, start with 1. Hebrews 1 and 1. Hebrews 1 and 1. Yahweh who at sundry times and in diverse manners 
spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. So he made the worlds by Yahshua the Messiah. In John 1 and 1, we read that it was Elohim or the word uh, created everything. But the word to Elohim, he was and he is Yahshua the Messiah. Continue on. In Verse 3. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Thank you. So Yahshua is an express image of uh, his or Yahweh's person. If you look up person, you will see it's the substance in the same word or Yahweh's spirit it's like the word is expressed image of the uh, thought so the same way is yashu is expressed image of the father now go back to um, matthew 17th um, chapter you, you don't need to read there but what we uh, what we read is how uh, yashu is transforming himself and he looks like uh, uh, Elohim. And uh, remember who he called? He called Peter, James, and John. And Peter was the elder, like Aaron was the elder, was the high uh, priest. And uh, uh, James and John, you can find in the Bible, were brothers. Like uh, uh, it was Aaron and the two uh, his sons, uh, I forgot the names, uh, Abayo and uh, Adab and Abayo, the names. And we talked about why they have to be uh, related because it's showing forth the unity of, uh, of the spirit. So we see a reflection because we see with uh, Yasha who transfigured, we see him with Moses and Elijah. It's again, two witnesses because Moses represents the law and Elijah represents the prophets. So we see the same uh, picture because Yahweh it's repeating uh, and showing his purpose in uh, different examples that his invisible uh, uh, things like his supernal nature, like his unity, him and his two manifestations are going to be reflected in the earth plane. Yeah, I see I have probably about five minutes left. But it's not only that, in these uh, stories which we read in um, uh, Exodus 24th chapter, and uh, Matthew 17's chapter, Yahweh is even using names of these people to reflect his purpose. Uh, I don't know if we have time to, does anybody have Strong's concordance? You can use it really uh, quick to uh, see the names. Or mm -hmm. I should, uh, 
Can somebody have watch verse? Well, uh, we go to uh, first Exodus 24th chapter, verse uh, nine, and look up Aaron. Uh, from the Hebrew 175. Uh, well, if it takes- uh, It says light bringer, but- that's light bringer. That's, mm -hmm. that's what I need. So Aaron is a light bringer. Uh, look up uh, Nadab. From the Hebrew 5070. Um, I've got liberal. If I go a little deeper, I get volunteer present spontaneously, offer freely? Yeah. Is that what offer you're looking freely. for? That's, that's the meaning I'm looking for, offer freely. I'm writing it down, okay? And now please look up uh, Abayu. Okay, Abayu. From Hebrew 30, father. Father. So Abayu, mm -hmm. father or father of him in an... Uh, Yes, father of him. That's what I've got as well. Uh, yeah, I've got that too. Him. Thank you. So Aaron is a light bringer. So we know about Yasha because everything is testifying about Yasha. In John 8 and 12, Yasha saying about himself, I am the light. So if you put together, you know, Aaron and his two sons, you will find that it spells out. So it's a light bringer to offer freely and father of him. So light bringer is offered by father of him. So it's a declaration. It's a prophecy about uh, Yasha, a light bringer is being or will be offered up by his father that Yahweh is going to give Yahshua as a sacrifice for us, his children, so we can be saved from our sins. But what will happen after that? Now we have to go to Matthew 17th chapter and look up at the uh, names of uh, uh, Peter, James, and John. Well, you probably know already that Peter means a stone. So it's like pretty much everybody knows that because that's, uh, that's why uh, uh, Yahshua renamed him, uh, say you will be called Peter uh, or a stone. So what the stones are associated with, and Steve talked about it, about having two tables of stones on which uh, the uh, law of commandments were written. But let's uh, read it again in uh, 2 Corinthians 3 and 7. Second Corinthians 3 and 7. But if the ministration of death written and engraven in stones was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory Thank was you. to be done away. 
done away. Yeah, thank you. That's all I need. I just have a couple minutes uh, left. So the stone is uh, associated with the law, with this uh, old covenant. It's administration of death. So that's what Peter means. It's a stone. So it's uh, allegorical of the law. What does James mean? Can you find in Strong's? I've James? got su supplanter. Yeah, James, by the way, it's the same uh, name as uh, uh, Jacob in the Old Covenant. It's the same name. Supplanter, other meanings? Um, hold on here. Here we go. Um... Well, if you look up to what supplanter or to supplant means, it means to replace. Okay. That's what the supplanter means. I don't know if you can find the deep in the Strong's, but uh, that's what I found. That's the meaning of uh, supplanter. What uh, what does John mean? Okay, John. Um... Uh, if I go deeply, I get Yahweh favored. Yahweh has favored. And uh, in another uh, translation, I have Yahweh has graced because favor and grace go together. So if you put this together, Peter, James, and John, it will be uh, the law is replaced by favor or by grace. So first it was prophecy with Aaron, Nadab, and uh, Abio that light bringer or Yahshua is offered by father of him. And then the purpose will be realized or we will know what it means. It means that the law will be, uh, is replaced by grace. And that's what Yahshua, it came to do. He came to replace the law he nailed it to the cross so we can be not under the law, but under grace. So with this, uh, I thank you for your attention and praise be to Yasha. Thank you. Our final speaker this evening will please be the Dean of the Oceanside California branch, Dr. Dennis Volpe. I wanna say good evening to everyone. Good evening. And I and I want to pick it up right where the other speakers left off and work with the scripture reading a little bit because there's a few things in there uh, that I'd like to uh, leave you with. So let's go back over to uh, Corinthians there. And let me pull my Bible up again. 2 Corinthians 4. We're going to start right back at 1. 2 Corinthians 4 and 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry... As we have received mercy, we faint not. Now, now, right there, uh, right there is uh, just a point that take a minute to think about. That Paul was driven to be a minister of this gospel and preach the gospel to whomever Yahshua sent him to, because he had received mercy, and he recognized that the great mercy that he received, being that. He was a persecutor of the assembly, drove him to do those things that are pleasing to Yahshua, and that is to go out and preach the gospel. 
and particularly to the Gentiles. Now, keep reading. But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of Yahweh deceitfully. Now, how do you handle the word of Yahweh deceitfully? How do you handle what Yahweh has said deceitfully? Now, right there opens up a, a myriad of what's happening in the world from a religious standpoint. <clears throat> we have many different people reading the Bible, both Old Testament and New Testament, that have a complete different, if you will, uh, explanation or understanding of what they're reading. And what people do in some cases is they take what they read in the Bible to try to glorify their own selves by making people think that they have, uh, they've studied uh, theology, uh, they went to uh, school, divinity school, or seminary school, rabbinical school, whatever, and that that sets them up above the rest of the people. Now, Paul himself was a Pharisee, a man that knew the scriptures, basically, I'll put it like this, backwards and forwards. And this is a man that was learned. He spoke many languages. He was highly intelligent. And what Yahweh had to do to use Paul in the ministration of the New Testament or the New Covenant is he had to humble him first, lest anybody think, that Paul was chosen because of the great abundance of learning he had and experience in so-called the scriptures. He had to allow Paul to be one of those ones that it was brought out tonight by Steve, where they asked him, why do you speak to these people in parables? And Yahshua explained to them that unto you it is given to know these mysteries, but unto them it is not given. Now Paul sat up and heard the gospel preached by Stephen there in the seventh chapter of uh, Acts of the Apostles and still ordered him to be stoned. And who knows how many other that uh, Saul or Paul was responsible for uh, their stoning and heard their testimony as well. Now, Yahweh kept him so called blind from the reality of the teaching. Paul did not understand or know nothing about Yahweh's purpose and plan, as learned as he was. And that drove him because he thought that he was doing the right thing that Elohim would have him to do. And that is to uh, stone these heretics, as he, would, as he was saying or thinking. Now, once Joshua knocks him down on the ground there on the road to Damascus and lifts him up into eternity and begins to speak to him and tell him, Now, uh, Paul, Paul, why do you persecute me? It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. Now, what he was telling him was that Saul knew that he was a flawed man, that he was not really keeping the law to the extent that he should have, because he testifies of that in the seventh chapter of Romans. 
and talks about the things that he doesn't want anybody else to do, he finds himself doing. And, and uh, you know, and that he's constantly doing the opposite of what he knows he should be doing. Now, here he comes up against Stephen there in the seventh chapter, who ran down through the law and the prophets, Yahweh's purpose and operation coming down through, right up to Yahshua the Messiah. And Paul could not contend with it. He could not argue with it. So he had something poking at his conscience, knowing that he wasn't the righteous person that he was presenting himself to, to the fellow Jews or Israelites, and wasn't as knowledgeable as he'd like to think he was. And so when Yahshua caught him up into eternity and showed him how wrong he was and the way he thought and even the actions that he was taking against those that were preaching the gospel, it devastated him. He knew that he was a blasphemer and an injurious man, and that's his own words and testimony about himself that he writes in one of his epistles. Now that's exactly what Yahshua wanted to happen because that forced him into a humble posture where he knew he couldn't take credit for anything that Yahshua was going to show him and that he didn't know it prior to then. And Paul talks about that, that over in the book of Philippians where he said, if anybody could brag, it was me. He said, I was a Pharisee I was a Hebrew of Hebrews, touching the righteousness that is in the law. And down after that, he said, and I count it all as dung for the excellency of Yahshua the Messiah. He recognized that everything that he thought was good, everything that he thought made him special, that gave him so-called a, a claim to righteousness that he might go to heaven, if you will, was absolutely wrong, that he never had a right thought in his life. And that is because the purpose of Yahweh is hidden in a mystery, right down in those scriptures that we call the Old Testament or the Law and the Prophets. And Paul didn't know no parts of that mystery. Later Paul writes, he writes about how Yahweh has, has revealed to us and made known the mystery of his will. Now, if you look up the word will in Strong's, you're going to find out one of the definitions is purpose. So here Paul has all this knowledge, but he didn't know why Yahweh sent Moses down into Egypt to tell Pharaoh to let the people go, then harden his heart so that he wouldn't let him go, and then destroy him in the Red Sea for doing exactly what Yahweh wanted him to do. Paul could not explain that. Paul could not explain why Joseph, who was a man that the Holy Spirit was obviously giving these dreams to, he was telling his brethren these dreams, and his father favored him, and his father Israel, who was Jacob, is, whose name is now Israel, had the Holy Spirit, and he favored Joseph, made him a coat of many colors. And yet, he was sold into captivity, brought down into Egypt, falsely accused of a crime, and put in prison for many years. 
until Yahweh brought him up out of there. And he never became bitter with his creator and blamed Yahweh for him having a miserable life down in Egypt. Now what I want you to know is that, you see, these things are pointing to a, a purpose that is an operation behind the scenes, and Paul didn't know nothing about it. He didn't know the purpose of why Yahweh told him to take a lamb out on a certain day, kill it, put its blood around uh, the lintels of the door, and uh, have them eat that. He didn't have any idea that those things were an allegory pointing to the Messiah himself. He didn't even put together that the Messiah, as it's spoken about in the book of Isaiah, would be a man that would be rejected and would be despised by his fellow nation, uh, 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 people of Judah. Now, here Yahshua the Messiah fit every one of these scenarios, but he couldn't put that together. And this is the reason why. Because all things must be revealed by Yahweh himself through the Holy Spirit to us for us to be able to see these invisible principles of the purpose being made manifest by the things that we read about down through the Bible that ultimately point to Yahweh himself and his spiritual purpose, which is not physical. Paul didn't know that. So Paul, when Yahshua lifted him up and gave him that vision, and then subsequent to that vision, he gave him a revelation and put the Holy Spirit in him, Paul was humbled and driven at the same time. He not only knew that he couldn't take credit for it, but he was, in a sense, ashamed of what he had done prior to this vision and revelation. Now, that's right according to the scriptures. And I want to take you back over there for just a minute. I want you to go over to Ezekiel 36. Let's start at 24. Anybody that's got it, go ahead and read it. Ezekiel 36 and 24. For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you and you now, shall be clean. Now listen, all of that read by somebody that has a carnal mind, meaning not spiritual understanding, would think that the land he's talking about is bringing him into what we call the promised land or Canaan's land. And that the clean water is uh, something that is representing being baptized in water. Now what they didn't know is that the promised land was a type and a shadow, an allegory, pointing to you dwelling in the spirit of Yahshua the Messiah. And that the clean water was the preaching of the gospel, as it says in your Bible, Yahshua said, He that believes on me, as the scriptures have said, the scriptures being the writings of Moses and the prophets, he said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now that living water is not physical, ladies and gentlemen. It is knowledge and understanding. Now, what that is what you are going to be sprinkled with that's going to clean up your inner man. 
Not your outer man, but your inner man. Read. And you shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all, all your idols will I cleanse you. Read. A, a new heart also will I give you. Now I'm going to give you, he said, I'm going to give you a new heart. Well, that doesn't mean he's going to do an operation and cut out your heart and, and transplant a heart from something else or someone else. But what he's going to do is he makes your heart new, become new. He's going to give you a new heart. And that heart, ladies and gentlemen, will be a tender heart. Keep reading. And a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. And will, I will give you a heart of flesh. Now when he talks about the stony heart, he's this is a speaking in metaphorically. In other words, people come in with a hard heart. They don't want to accept and believe those things that Yahweh is about to speak, they don't want to accept the truth. We just come in, we're by nature children of disobedience and children of wrath. And Paul talks about that as well. Now the way that that has to, has to be uh, uh, amended, if you will, or fixed, is that Yahweh has to give you a heart that can accept correction, that can accept chastisement, that will be instructable, meaning you will listen to instruction, that you will be humble. And that heart, ladies and gentlemen, is also a heart that loves the truth and will love Yahweh and love the uh, Yahshua and love the truth. Now, he's going to have to give us that heart and put a new spirit in us. Read. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you shall keep my judgments and do them. Now listen, he said he's going to cause you to walk in his statutes. Now that was not said to the people there at Mount Sinai. Yahweh didn't say, I'm going to speak in a covenant this day, and then I'm going to cause you to keep it. You can't find that back there. And you can't find where Yahweh gave those people a new heart or anywhere where Yahweh said he would put his spirit in them up there on Mount Sinai. He never said that. Now the problem is without a new heart, without a new spirit, without Yahweh putting these things in you, you cannot be obedient. You cannot accept chastisement and correction. You won't love the truth. And Paul is a prime example of it. He was being corrected by Stephen, but Stephen was just a deacon. He wasn't even an apostle. And here, Paul's thinking, who does this little pipsqueak think he is talking to me? I'm a Pharisee. I studied the, 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 the scripture since I was a child. What's he going to tell me? See, that's a, a, a lifted up heart, a proud heart. And then when the truth is spoken, they refuse to acknowledge it. That's because they're still hard-hearted. And that's what you got with people in the world unless Yahweh intervenes. Now what I want you to know is this, that Paul was in that state and condition that I just described. And, 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 and keep reading where you left off there because we're not done. There's something I want to get to down in that Ezekiel. Ezekiel 36 and 28. And you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. And you shall be my people, and I will be your Elohim. I will also save you from all your uncleannesses, 
and I will call for the corn and will increase it and lay no famine upon you. And I will multiply the fruit of the tree and the increase of the field that you shall receive no more reproach of famine among the heathen. Then shall you remember your own evil ways and your doings that were no, not good and shall loathe yourselves in your own sight. Now there it is. There it is. Once Yahweh does these things, you're going to remember your old ways and loathe yourself and your evil doings. And I want you to know that Paul, once he received the Holy Spirit and was given a vision and a revelation, he loathed himself and said that he was a blasphemer and that he was an injurious person. And I want you to know that Paul was driven because he recognized what he was and how Yahweh still, through his purpose, called him out of that state, out of darkness, out of that hard-hearted state, and saved him despite it. Changed him. Caused him to recognize and understand the purpose that, that changed everything that he thought. And I can say this, it's not written this way in your Bible, but Paul has acknowledged that he never had a right thought in his life. If you read what he says over there in Philippians and other places about his heart and mind prior to this vision and revelation. And our founder used to tell us that when he had the vision and revelation, he said, I recognize that I never, I was 180 degrees out of phase and never had a right thought in my life. He said, and neither do you. You've never had a right thought in your life either. Now, what I want you to recognize is, is that what he is demonstrating, Yahweh's demonstrating his mercy and his kindness, despite what we have done, and still turned us around, caused us to be humbled and, and acknowledge our wrongdoing and our sinfulness and our bad attitudes and our bad behavior and made us feel a sense of gratitude and anything we can do to try to show our gratitude to our Creator we're willing to do it including dying for the truth and that was Paul's attitude and that's what Paul did he was driven and so what I'm trying to show you here is that Yahweh's purpose is that he is salvation. That he's trying to show you that salvation is coming by the way of mercy and kindness and love. And that Yahweh is choosing whom he will give this mercy to, or manifest this mercy upon, however you want to say it. And you don't get it by earning it. You don't get it by doing good works that make you now in line for him now to give you the Holy Spirit. And listen, this purpose is really something because none of us even understood in any way, shape, and form why there's a devil. Why is there evil in the world? Well, Yahweh in his purpose, in order to make himself known, had to create a contrast or the opposite of himself that would oppose him 
that would be a liar, a murderer, and a thief, but perpetuate himself as being your friend, someone you can trust, charming, intelligent, have all these qualities that make him look attractive. But on the inside, he is a beast, if you will. He's a wolf in sheep's clothing. And this mystery of iniquity has a role to play. And there will be souls that he will devour. And there will be souls that Yahweh will take out of his so-called reaches to be able to devour. And so Paul was one that was on the way to being devoured by that satanic spirit. And Yahweh turned him around and showed him the light that delivered him out of the power of darkness that the devil had him under. And Paul writes in Colossians, the first chapter, that we were delivered, he said we were delivered from the power of darkness. All of us were ignorant of Yahweh. We didn't know nothing about him. We didn't know nothing about his purpose and plan. We didn't have a clue what the true nature of Yahweh was. We didn't know nothing about pure spirit being the source and substance of all things that exist, and that Yahweh also is the limits and bounds of everything that exists. Everything exists within Yahweh. Everything is his substance that has undergone a process of change or materialization in order for the purpose to be played out. And that Yahweh had purpose for two mysteries to be in operation. A mystery of righteousness and the mystery of iniquity. Those two mysteries are opposing one another. Do we have the do we have the Asherah chart? There you go. Now, these two mysteries are operating in the purpose all the way down through. At least to uh, the first three ages, I should be that honestly, because he's not going to be really used uh, in terms of us in the next three ages. So what I want you to realize is this. These two mysteries have to be understood in order to recognize and understand what Yahweh's doing in his purpose. You have to have an understanding of the, the mystery of righteousness and what he is doing and what is driving him. And you also have to have an understanding of the mystery of iniquity and his role to play and what drives him in order for you to see what Yahweh is trying to demonstrate about his own self. And therefore, what we have to recognize is we're all being powered, I mean delivered from the power of darkness and deception. Now let I see my time. Let's go back over to our scripture reading. Because I only got a few minutes left, five minutes left. Now, we have renounced, number two, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. Okay. And these things that we have been taught by the churches and our religious upbringing, it's all dishonesty. They don't know the reality of what Yahweh is and who he is and what he's doing. And if you really start questioning them, you'll see how fast they'll try to get away from you. It's like turning on the light when the cockroaches are in the house and you see them scatter. Once you put the light on these people, they're running for the hills because they don't have, they don't have any answers, lady. They don't know. Now he says, okay, uh, read two, please. 
but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of Yahweh deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of Yahweh. Read. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Now listen, if this gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. Now here's what Dr. Kinley said about it. He said this teaching is as simple as one, two, three. He said, and a child could understand this teaching. And therefore, if you can count to three, he said, you can know something about the purpose of Yahweh. And yet the devil, he has hidden this, and he is trying to keep you from seeing these simple points and principles, and he is blinding you. That's what he's doing. Read. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of the Messiah, who is the image of Yahweh, should shine unto them. That's what drives him. He has come down from the angelic, lost a, a battle or a war, and was cast out, him and a third of the other angels, and he is down in the earth plane, knowing that he has but a short time, full of wrath, wanting to destroy as many souls as he can because of his anger of him being brought down uh, up there in, in the angelic and go against whatever Yahweh uh, desires, whatever pleases him. He's trying to do the opposite. And he's deceiving the world. He's keeping the world in darkness, meaning not allowing the world to see the truth about Yahweh. Now, that mystery of iniquity, disguising himself, as, as the clergy in the world, or the, or, or the so-called religious leaders, they are, in that sense, getting you to trust them because you think that they're somebody that is close to God and knows something about God. And the truth is, they don't have any knowledge and understanding truly of Yahweh as he actually is and truthfully exists. And they're in darkness, but because you're in darkness, you cannot discern that they're in darkness. And Yahshua said the blind are leading the blind. Now when you're blind and somebody takes you by the hand, you don't know whether that person that's taken you by the hand is blind or not, because not, you can't see. But once your eyes are opened, once you can see, you now see those that once led you are blind and don't know themselves what they're saying or where they're going. Now the Holy Spirit's job is to reveal. That means to make known those things that are a mystery in Yahweh's purpose so that you see the reality of Yahweh where the mystery of iniquity wants you to remain ignorant and worship in type, shadows, allegories, carnal ordinances and not know nothing about the reality of what spirit is or what your soul needs in order to flourish. And that's what he does. He blinds the minds of the people by telling them, all you got to do is have faith and believe. Blind faith. You'll, you'll get to meet God sometime later and know something about him when you go to heaven. But right now you can't know anything. You just have to believe. And that's not true. Yahweh put us here to learn of him and to come to a knowledge of him. And the Holy Spirit is the one that's going to reveal and bring that knowledge forefront to your heart and mind. And that's what this class is for, is to wake you up and show you 
how Yahweh's purpose works and how the Bible witnesses to the things that we're teaching you down here. So I hope that some of this made some sense. Uh, I know all of it can be expanded upon, but we can't cover everything, obviously, in the time allotment that we have. So what I want to do is uh, say keep coming. Don't, don't get tired from coming to class. Uh, stay alert and think about the things that you're learning down here. Meditate upon them. And ask Yahshua to open it up to your understanding so that it's a reality to you. With that, I want to say good evening and peace in Yahshua to all, and I'll hand it back to the moderator. Thank you. Thank you to everyone for joining us this evening. Our Madison class holds Zoom class every Wednesday, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, and we hope that you will join us again. Just a quick reminder to please stay muted until the live stream has ended. We will now be dismissed by the doxology taken from the last two verses of the book of Jude. Now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise Yahweh our savior through Yahshua the Messiah our sovereign be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and ever. Let us all say hallelujah. hallelujah.